Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from uh, myself, the interrupter in chief, Cleo Oakley, <laughs> and Janet Anscombe in the mountains. And I'm going to start this with, uh, with an apology to those of you who feel I speak too much or I interrupt Janet a lot, and I probably do both. I'm not going to interrupt you, Cleo. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to have this podcast with long gaps now where we're both waiting for the other one to stop talking and thinking has she, or is she just taking a breath yeah we don't want to go down the road of having to say roger over and out but uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> hello everybody from the interrupted in chief um we, we what we love is okay there are people with different views and different ways of listening but what has come across on my website, clear, loud and clear, is that people enjoy these podcasts. They enjoy the fact that they sound like a conversation. And yeah, okay, we'll try and make it so that we're not talking over each other. But um, to everybody who's commented or, or given any positive feedback, thank you so much. It's really good to know that these are so appreciated and enjoyed. Janet, as I explained on Janet's page, we developed a friendship through kind of a professional appreciation of each other, I suppose. Um, and we have moved into being good friends for a couple of years now. And pre-COVID, I would be up at her house once a week with a bag of croissants because you have to feed her husband too if you go up. You can't just feed Janet. <laughs> um, and so in a way, we just are continuing our chats but via Zoom, and sometimes we press the record button, and that's what you're getting. That's exactly right. And when this is all over, I won't say if, when this bloody pandemic is all over, we will be recording from up here with our croissants and coffee outside of my pergola, the pair of us together and not at a distance. Yeah. And, and we will include the chickens and the lizards. I'll have to bring coleslaw for them. If you think I can leave my chickens out of it, they won't be left out no. of anything. <laughs> they involve themselves. They do. They do. Listen, we're kind of speaking of memories and whens and ifs and buts. Um, this weekend, the World Health Organization, um, I suppose, marked through talks, events, press conferences, the fact that it is now a year since a pandemic was declared since COVID-19 was declared a global pandemic. And I thought it might be interesting to listen to another Irish voice, Dr. Mike Ryan from the World Health Organization. It's a short clip, but it just, he's, he's a very good explainer. And this just kind of takes us to where we are today. And in particular, he's talking about the different variants that the virus is mutating into, if that makes sense. So um, just to kind of mark where we're at, we'll just have a quick listen to Mike Ryan. We were seeing variants. We've seen different viruses, variations. That's what a variant actually means, where the virus has a small variation in its genetic code. It doesn't necessarily mean that the virus behaves any differently. You see that amongst humans all the time. We have slightly different uh, genetic codes. That's why we sometimes we look different and we, we act different. It's exactly the same. It doesn't mean we are fundamentally different. These viruses, these variants are not fundamentally different to the previously circulating strains. They have differences and those differences uh, may affect the way in which the virus binds to human cells or it may affect 
the way in which the virus can reproduce itself successfully in, in the human body. Uh, what it hasn't changed is the way in which the virus transmits. So therefore, all of the measures we already have in place, like hand hygiene and physical distance, and reducing the number of people you're in contact with, and reducing proximity to people, reducing the time you spend with people, wearing masks, ensuring you're in a properly ventilated space, these are the things that will still work. Janet, you find him as well, a, a kind of a clear and concise person when it comes to giving information. I do. He, he, he strikes me a little bit in his own way, like Jonathan Van Tam, you know, the, the guy who, the deputy, I think, chief medical officer in the UK. He, he, he's just a voice that sounds sane and reasonable. You automatically trust him. <laughs> and as he says, the, the, there are variants, but however much we dislike it the fact is that this is what viruses do they mutate and change and there have been these variants known for some time only today in the uk they're now talking about having established the south african variant in london and that is considered a I'm not quite sure if it's considered as bad as the Brazilian one because each one does its own little yeah. thing. And of course, the unicorn that everybody is hoping will appear over the horizon is that the whole virus will just mutate into a far less dangerous form. But at the moment, that doesn't seem to be happening. So what they're doing is what they're calling a surge test in the UK to try to identify in London, particularly, uh, where this has spread to. But as Mike Ryan was saying, whatever we're looking at, whatever variant we're looking at, and we've now got the UK variant here, and thankfully so far not the Brazilian one, which is now in Portugal, which is why they've closed their borders entirely with the whole of the world, basically. What he is saying is the basic rules don't change. And as the variants spread and increase without becoming weaker, we have to abide by these rules all the more um, assiduously because if we don't we are all in big trouble this isn't going away quickly and the vaccine doses being unrolled are taking their time as they were always going to do and he is right hands face space those yeah. are the three keywords aren't yeah. they and, and ventilate i mean we say ventilation we don't think about it so much here i mean when i talk to the family at home you know the thought of having a cup of tea with my dad if my sister goes up to him somewhere with windows open when it's like two degrees outside is not a very pleasant um, prospect. But here we do ventilate our doors and windows and are open or we're out of doors. So it, it kind of isn't something that we need to worry about so much. But as you said, Mike Ryan says hand hygiene, physical distance, masks uh, and ventilation. These are the things that will work. Um, you talked about the unicorn. There's also a small elephant in the room, I think, Janet, which is this vaccination row, which, you know, I think has distracted people from the fact that um, those those rules of engagement or disengagement need to be continued, but also that the vaccine rollout isn't going as well as some people wanted. Now, I'm, you know, if people aren't quite sure what I'm talking about, this was the European Commission making a bit of a well a huge political blunder i think by trying to trigger article 16 which was related to brexit which annoyed everybody in ireland north and south every political persuasion as well as people in the uk and it distracted from the fact that 
the vaccine rollout is slower, particularly in Europe, than people wanted. I think in the UK, they have to be congratulated because it seems to be going very well and, and promptly. Yes, I agree. The, the UK has played an absolute blinder in, in this. They, they have done an awful lot wrong. And I would just say here now that I'm well known as a Remainer, but it doesn't mean I approve of everything the EU does. And they have balls this up beyond measure and it would have been far better left to individual countries. The UK operating on its own, this doesn't make me approve of Brexit, but operating on its own, the UK has played a blinder and the way they did it was because they set up a vaccine task force mm. very early on. Mm. And they appointed someone who was a businesswoman with, with a foot in the medical provisions camp, Kate Bingham. And she basically threw money at every conceivable vaccine development that was underway at the time. And there were voices at the time that says, oh, she's wasting an awful lot of money, you know, because she's throwing it at these things. But what she was doing was taking an option on every vaccine that was in development, knowing that by doing so, as and when they were given regulatory approval, the mm. UK would have a good share. And there was one, for example, that Matt Hancock refused to give a contract for because he was afraid the contract would allow the Americans to get in and then stop the UK getting its own supplies because they'd stockpiled for America. Now, in its own way, this is what the EU has done. They have been accused of trying to stockpile. And what's at the root of all this is panic. Yeah. Because now the vaccine is there. People thought, hey, there's a vaccine. We are saved. It's like the cavalry coming over the hill. And I think that's a metaphor Boris Johnson used on one occasion. Okay. That the vaccine was like a cavalry coming over the hill. Whereas, in fact, Spain's measured response has been much more reasonable in a way because they have said this is a long-term thing we're not going to be able to vaccinate everybody we're not going to be able to have the supplies to vaccinate everybody this is at least the whole of this year mm. and possibly next year before we can even get through all the priority groups potentially mm. it's a long-term thing the problem with northern european countries maybe in a way that's so different to southern european countries is the level of freedom people are used to enjoying and they, the governments in the northern, the north of Europe, as well as the EU itself, the Commission, are fearful of social disorder. So they have been trying to get their vaccine program very quickly, right. because you, we've only got to look at Holland and now Belgium over the past few days. They've got riots, and these countries know they they need to get this vaccine out quickly. And there are some that say, well, okay, we blame Boris Johnson for enough here when it's you know, perhaps the UK's department's problems. But here we are blaming the EU when in fact this might be Ursula von der Leyen needing to feel she needs to make action. And this seems to be in her character. Shooting herself in the <laughs> Yes, yes. And so this is a long-term project and we are all going to have to be very patient and yeah. avoid becoming patients of COVID mm. while we're being patient for the vaccine. Yeah, I mean... Each week that goes by, no doubt, uh, everybody loses somebody. It sounds an awful thing to say, but I mean, there are a few families now untouched by this. And uh, it's just hard sometimes to see 
as I heard somebody else say, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but it's still a very long tunnel. Yes, and let's hope the light is the end of the tunnel and not a train coming towards us. That's what we oh. have to be careful yeah. Yeah. We have to keep I mean, making a serious point, really, that we have yeah. to keep on with the with the precautions exactly. while we are waiting. We can't throw what's happened away at this point. But these are terrible anniversaries. The declaration of the pandemic is a it is a coincidental anniversary with our own because over the last two days we've had the anniversary of the first outbreaks in Spain, which happened in La Gomera. Exactly. And as we were talking about last last Monday, um, it was, I think, on the 23rd of February that we got it in Tenerife. Yep. And you and I ended up dealing with the with the big boys down at the H10. We, we had our was, 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> it certainly did. But Janet, this, we're, we're talking about vaccines. Can we just go over that ground again for people who are maybe not really quite sure what the story is if they're on say they're swallows on long stays or they're not part of the spanish public health system and they're wondering if they can buy a vaccine here the answer is no still the answer is most definitely no spain has been quite clear that all vaccines are going to be administered by the state system whether it will be in the end the state system system in collaboration with the private system or municipalities is another matter. Mm. The fact is that vaccine supply, they have to give these vaccines when they're sort of relatively fresh, that's why they have to be kept at certain temperatures. So they can't just manufacture a whole load here because there are logistics of how these things are distributed and then administered. Mm. So they have to be um, manufactured in batches and those batches are then unrolled. So every country has a program whereby priority groups are identified and they get the first batches that are available. And while they're being administered, normally in two doses, the countries are then identifying the second priority group and Spain has just announced its second priority group is the over 80s. We are still at the very start of this whole program being unrolled so anybody who's thinking can i buy it the answer is no anybody who's thinking i've got private medical insurance and you know how do i get this if it's only through the state system the answer is we don't yet know no but be reassured that spain wants everybody in the country who wants the vaccine to have it because they want as many people vaccinated as possible there is no question they're going to be restricting this no, no, it's they're not the going to refuse people the vaccine. Exactly. They have to distribute it in what they see as a fair and equitable way. Yes. And so we are still, even now, only in the stage of drawing up the second priority group. This is so early on. So all we can say to people who are asking all these questions is, hold your horses, it's early days. And I do not want to be saying this is early days after a whole year of this damn thing. No, but it another, is another days. whole year. <laughs> it is it is still early days, I'm afraid. All right. And again, we're back to until not just yourselves, but your community is vaccinated. You stick by the distance. What is it? Face and space. And so social distancing, yeah, yeah. hygiene and masks. And even face if you've been vaccinated. Masks. Yeah. Face, hands, masks and ventilation. And when they talk about ventilation, they don't just mean apparently opening a window. They mean creating through air movement okay so opening a front and back door 
for example, or a window and a door as well. So that it's not just letting air in, it is giving the air that's inside a means of getting out as well. So it's creating through ventilation is quite important. Okay. Um, the last thing we want to talk about today, because we're, we're going to keep it short, um, is travel, Janet. There's there's two things I that caught my attention today, uh, over the last few days. One is the level of restrictions at the moment at Dublin, um, at Irish points of departure. Now, I know I mentioned this last week, but I actually spoke to someone who travelled here last week, and I was quite surprised by how strict now the Irish government are trying to lock down the country. And then today, kind of as, as I suppose to further that, I heard a report on BBC Radio News, and I've just seen it now on a couple of other websites, that Europol are warning about the existence of fake COVID negative tests for travel. And it just shocks me. It, it saddens me that people would do that and put themselves and so many other people at risk for a holiday. We have been here before, haven't we? I know people feel they need a holiday. Other people feel they would just like to carry on breathing, actually. We, we were talking two minutes ago about anniversaries and two million people, over two million people have died around the world of this or with this. Mm -hmm. And without getting into the, did they die of or with COVID? The, the simple fact is that even if they had something else, they got COVID, which made them more likely to die of yeah. the thing they had as an underlying. So it's a clearly a contributing factor, if not the actual cause. And it is clearly not a fake now. And national governments are understanding, beginning to understand, it's only taken them a year to be fair, um, that they actually have to stop people doing stuff because people won't stop themselves. Mm. And it is hard to know what one can do where people come from cultures where rule breaking and people doing what they want is, is seen as something you can overlook. And, and to some extent, we are all so lucky that we've been able to live in this way yeah. so long. Yeah. And we haven't had this sort of thing to deal with before, but now we do. And if it comes down to five grand fines for people who will not stay the hell at home, when they have to have sometimes multiple holidays, and why on earth would anybody think that a negative COVID test certificate would get them somewhere? Aren't they concerned about their own health? Never mind anybody else's. But it's it's back to that mentality of how can I get around this? Exactly. It's about me and you know. Exactly. And the and the my, my message. Sorry, Kim. No, go ahead. I, I interrupted you that time. <laughs> I'm going to edit this and repeat. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what I was saying now. I'm so shocked. Well, I was just going to say the fact that the fact that there is a criminal gang making mega bucks out of selling COVID, fake COVID test documents is just sad in itself. There should be no market. Let, let's be blunt about this. Well, I, I'm, I'm pretty good at being blunt. Stop being so bloody selfish. Stay the hell at home and stop trying to travel around, even if it involves buying a negative test certificate. Think of other people. You aren't helping the tourist industry here mm. by bringing your COVID here potentially, or coming on your own when the rest of your country has a travel ban. Do you think you can drink enough to keep a bar in business on your own? Don't <laughs> ask. <laughs> but my message is just stop being so selfish. Yeah. We will only get through this. 
if people actually do start to obey the rules and yeah. give the vaccines and the scientists time. Do you know, when I was in work, there was a, I, I lectured on ancient Greek history and there is an event very quickly in, in a very sort of small nutshell, there is an incident in ancient Greek history where the ancient Greeks, which are sort of like the EU really, it was a sort of independent city states all together in a union, um, they could see the great Persian empire was going to attack and they were not ready, they needed time. So the Spartans sent a task force of 300 to Thermopylae and their job was to go there and die there and just hold, and hold the Persians off, giving the rest of Greece a chance to get their act together so that they could forestall this when the Persians finally broke through at Thermopylae. I've been there. You, I can't go there without bawling my eyes out. It is the most phenomenal place. There's a little hillock where they took their last stand to keep the Persians at bay. And I can feel myself welling up now. The way Herodotus, who describes this incident, does so is stunning. He says that in the end, they'd broken their spears, their shields had been wrecked. They used their fingernails and their teeth to hold the enemy off, to give the rest of Greece time. And the Greeks won. They beat the Persian Empire. And to me, if there is any analogy in that, it is we are dealing with a virus that can kill 2 million people in one year. Let's give the scientists time. We Let's don't have give to our 300 Spartan scientists yes. time. Yeah, I like that. And we don't, have to, we don't have to go to Thermopylae and die to give anyone time. No. Let's try to avoid dying to give them time. Just, just for me to take devil's ad advocate a little bit, Spain will allow you, and the Canary Islands will allow you to travel here if you do have a negative test. So for God's sake, would you make sure it's a legitimate one? If you are going to and travel I here, make sure you don't have COVID-19. Make sure that yes, your, your, your test, your negative test, is genuinely taken, tested, and the result is a, is a legitimate one. Because Absolutely. otherwise, otherwise you might as well just throw it all away. Absolutely. And the only thing I would add to that is, of course, yes, Spain allows you in with a negative test, unless you are coming from a United Kingdom direct flight or boat, because the there's a ban on UK arrivals at, at the moment. Yeah. But yeah, you know, don't bring a negative test. What's the point? You're going to have to pay for that anyway. Why not be sure you're safe and pay for a genuine yeah. one? Because the only... Uh, conclusion one could come to is that you know that you actually do have COVID if you need to pay possibly more than you would for a legitimate test. If you need to pay for a fake one, does that mean that you actually have the, have the virus? I don't know. Well, if you have to pay for a fake one, it's saying you are negative whether or not you have it because you've never really had a test. You're just buying. But you're, you're too frightened maybe to have it. And all I would say is, even if you can't think of anybody in the place you're going to, think of how you will feel if you do actually have COVID and you had a chance to have a test and you didn't take it because you just bought a fake negative certificate and you go abroad and you find out that you do, after all, have COVID. Even if you take nobody else into account, you are now as sick as you are likely ever to be in your life away from home. In a foreign country. I would rather... 
I would rather be at home if I'm going to be that sick. Yeah. I'd rather be in my own home. And if I've got it, I'd rather know before I took off out of my own home. On that cheery so note. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Spartans. Oh, I, I like thinking that all our scientists are Spartans, Janet. I love that analogy. That's that's going to stay with me all week. Good. In in with steel and leather and gritty faces may may the women and men of the scientific world save us please let's from let's the give them the virus. yeah let's give them the space and time they need to give us the cure all right janet anscombe i hope i didn't interrupt you too much today oh, i did the interrupting today <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to keep reminding you of it as well <laughs> all right let's just be lovely to chat to you and you and, and I hope everybody's enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it. And even if you haven't learned anything new, I hope you've at least uh, enjoyed our chatter and maybe we've, we've given you a pause to think. And do keep getting in touch with us. And we, you know, exactly. the interaction's fun. It is. It really right, is. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye, well, everybody.